0: Chapter One Part Three of Supplements to the First Book, First Half The Doctrine of the Idea of Perception From The World as Will and Idea, Volume Two by Arthur Schopenhauer Translated by R. B. Haldane and J. Kemp This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine The Doctrine of the Idea of Perception, Part Three realism necessarily leads as we have said to materialism for if empirical perception gives us things in themselves as they exist independently of our knowledge experience also gives us the order of things in themselves that is the true and sole order of the world but this path leads to the assumption that there is only one thing in itself matter of which all other things are modifications for the course of nature is here the absolute and only order of the world to escape from these consequences while realism remained an undisputed acceptance spiritualism was set up that is the assumption of a second substance outside of and along with matter an immaterial substance this dualism and spiritualism equally unsupported by experience and destitute of proof and comprehensibility was denied by spinoza and was proved to be false by kant who dared to do so because at the same time he established idealism in its rights for with realism materialism as the counterpoise of which spiritualism had been devised falls to the ground of its own accord because then matter and the course of nature become mere phenomena which are conditioned by the intellect as they have their existence only in its idea accordingly spiritualism is the delusive and false safeguard against materialism while the real and true safeguard is idealism which by making the objective world dependent upon us gives the needed counterpoise to the position of dependence upon the objective world in which we are placed by the course of nature the world from which i part at death is in another aspect only my idea the centre of gravity of existence falls back into the object what is proved is not as in spiritualism that the knower is independent of matter but that all matter is dependent on him certainly this is not so easy to comprehend or so convenient to handle as spiritualism with its two substances but kalepa takala in opposition to the subjective starting-point the world is my idea there certainly stands provisionally with equal justification the objective starting-point the world is matter or matter alone is absolute since it alone is not subject to becoming and passing away or all that exists is matter this is the starting-point of democritus leucippus and epicurus but more closely considered the departure from the subject retains a real advantage It has the start by one perfectly justified step. For consciousness alone is the immediate, but we pass over this if we go at once to matter and make it our starting point. On the other hand, it would certainly be possible to construct the world from matter and its properties if these were correctly, completely and exhaustively known to us, which is far from being the case as yet for all that is come to be has become actual through causes which could operate and come together only by virtue of the fundamental forces of matter but these must be perfectly capable of demonstration at least objectively even if subjectively we never attain to a knowledge of them but such an explanation and construction of the world would not only have at its foundation the assumption of an existence in itself of matter while in truth it is conditioned by the subject but it would also be obliged to allow all the original qualities in this matter to pass current and remain absolutely inexplicable thus as qualitates Occultae, compare sections twenty six and twenty seven of the first volume for matter is only the vehicle of these forces just as the law of causality is only the arranger of their manifestations therefore such an explanation of the world would always remain merely relative and conditioned properly the work of a physical science which at every step long for a metaphysic on the other hand there is also something inadequate about the subjective starting-point and first principle the world is my idea partly because it is one-sided since the world is far more than that the thing in itself will and indeed its existence as idea is to a certain extent only accidental to it but partly also because it merely expresses the fact that the object is conditioned by the subject without at the same time saying that the subject as such is also conditioned by the object for the assertion the subject would still remain a knowing being if it had no object that is if it had absolutely no idea is just as false as the assertion of the crude understanding the world the object would still exist even if there were no subject a consciousness without an object is no consciousness a thinking subject has conceptions for its object a subject of sense perception has objects with the qualities corresponding to its organization if we rob the subject of all special characteristics and forms of its knowledge all the properties of the object vanish also and nothing remains but matter without form and quality which can just as little occur in experience as a subject without the forms of its knowledge but which remains opposed to the naked subject as such as its reflex which can only disappear along with it although materialism pretends to postulate nothing more than this matter for instance atoms yet it unconsciously adds to it not only the subject but also space time and causality which depend upon special properties of the subject the world as idea the objective world has thus as it were two poles the simple knowing subject without the forms of its knowledge and crude matter without form and quality both are completely unknowable the subject because it is that which knows matter because without form and quality it cannot be perceived yet both are fundamental conditions of all empirical perception thus the knowing subject merely as such which is a presupposition of all experience stands opposed as its pure counterpart to the crude formless and utterly dead that is, willless matter which is given in no experience but which all experience presupposes this subject is not in time for time is only the more definite form of all its ideas the matter which stands over against it is like it eternal and imperishable endures through all time but is, properly speaking, not extended, for extension gives form, thus it has no spatial properties. Everything else is involved in a constant process of coming into being and passing away, while these two represent the unmoved poles of the world as idea. The permanence of matter may therefore be regarded as the reflex of the timelessness of the pure subject, which is simply assumed as the condition of all objects both belong to phenomena not to the thing in itself but they are the framework of the phenomenon both are arrived at only by abstraction and are not given immediately pure and for themselves the fundamental error of all systems is the failure to understand this truth intelligence and matter are correlates that is, the one exists only for the other both stand and fall together the one is only the reflex of the other indeed they are really one and the same thing regarded from two opposite points of view and this one thing i am here anticipating is the manifestation of the will or the thing in itself consequently both are secondary and therefore the origin of the world is not to be sought in either of the two but because of their failure to understand this all systems with the exception perhaps of that of spinoza sought the origin of all things in one of these two some of them on the one hand suppose an intelligence as the absolutely first and and accordingly in this allow an idea of things and of the world to precede their actual existence consequently they distinguish the real world from the world of idea which is false therefore matter now appears as that through which the two are distinguished as the thing in itself hence arises the difficulty of procuring this matter the uli so that when added to the mere idea of the world it may impart reality to it that original intelligence must now either find it ready to hand in which case it is just as much an absolute first as that intelligence itself and we have then two absolute firsts the demiurgos and the uli or the absolute intelligence must create this matter out of nothing an assumption which our understanding refuses to make for it is only capable of comprehending changes in matter and not that matter itself should come into being or pass away this rests ultimately upon the fact that matter is essential the correlate of the understanding on the other hand the systems opposed to these which make the other of the two correlates that is matter the absolute first suppose a matter which would exist without being perceived and it has been made sufficiently clear by all that has been said above that this is a direct contradiction for by the existence of matter we always mean simply its being perceived but here they encounter the difficulty of bringing to this matter which alone is their absolute first the intelligence which is finally to experience it i have shown this weak side of materialism in section seven of the first volume for me on the contrary matter and intelligence are inseparable correlates which exist only for each other and therefore merely relatively matter is the idea of the intelligence the intelligence is that in whose idea alone matter exists the two together constitute the world as idea which is just kant's phenomenon and consequently something secondary what is primary is that which manifests itself, the thing in itself, which we shall afterwards discover is the will. This is in itself neither the perceiver nor the perceived, but is entirely different from the mode of its manifestation. As a forcible conclusion of this important and difficult discussion, I shall now personify these two abstractions, and present them in a dialogue after the fashion of Praboda Chandrodaya. It may also be compared with a similar dialogue between matter and form in the Duo Principia Philosophiae of Raymond Lully, chapters one and two. The subject: I am, and besides me there is nothing. For the world is my idea. Matter, presumptuous delusion. I, I am, and besides me there is nothing. For the world is my fleeting form thou art a mere result of a part of this form and altogether accidental the subject what insane arrogance neither thou nor thy form would exist without me ye are conditioned by me whosoever thinks me away and believes he can still think ye there is involved in gross delusion for your existence apart from my idea is a direct contradiction a meaningless form of words ye are simply means ye are perceived by me my idea is the sphere of your existence therefore i am its first condition matter fortunately the audacity of your assertion will soon be put to silence in reality and not by mere words yet a few moments and thou actually art no more with all thy boasting thou hast sunk into nothing vanished like a shadow and shared the fate of all my transitory forms but i i remain unscathed and undiminished from age to age through infinite time and behold unshaken the play of my changing form the subject this infinite time through which thou boastest that thou livest like the infinite space which thou fillest exists only in my idea indeed it is merely the form of my idea which i bear complete in myself and in which thou exhibitest thyself which receives thee and through which thou first of all existest but the annihilation with which thou threatenest me touches me not were it so then wouldst thou also be annihilated it merely affects the individual which for a short time is my vehicle and which like everything else is my idea matter and if i concede this and go so far as to regard thy existence which is yet inseparably linked to that of these fleeting individuals as something absolute it yet remains dependent upon mine for thou art subject only so far as thou hast an object and this object i am i am its kernel and content that which is permanent in it that which holds it together and without which it would be as disconnected as wavering and unsubstantial as the dreams and fancies of thy individuals which have yet borrowed from me even the elusive content they possess the subject thou dost well to refrain from contesting my existence on the ground that it is linked to individuals for as inseparably as i am joined to them thou art joined to thy sister form and hast never appeared without her no eye hath yet seen either thee or me naked and isolated for we are both mere abstractions it is in reality one being that perceives itself and is perceived by itself but whose real being cannot consist either in perceiving or in being perceived since these are divided between us two both we are then inseparably joined together as necessary parts of one whole which includes us both and exists through us only a misunderstanding can oppose us two hostily to each other and hence draw the false conclusion that the one contests the existence of the other with which its own existence stands or falls this whole which comprehends both is the world as idea or the world of phenomena when this is taken away there remains only what is purely metaphysical the thing in itself which in the second book we shall recognise as the will chapter one